This is the Be On Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. This year we are exploring the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament in what we're calling a chrono-geobiological flow. That is, we are following the chronology of the book of Acts, and then we're veering off to the places and people and topics that are addressed in the book of Acts. So in the last few weeks we've been in the book of Ephesians in one of those step-offs, but now we're going to come back into the narrative of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20. So as you're listening, if you want to pull open a Bible, pull open your phone, and get Acts chapter 20 ready, that would be great. I am really excited today. I'm, I'm joined by a, a good friend that, Mike, how long have we known each other? 20 years, something like that? At Is least that when you started doing Acquire years, the Fire? Yeah. 2003 or four, I think. Yeah. So right at 20 years, uh, Mike Woods is with us. I, I met him through Lisa, through my wife Lisa, as she was doing youth ministry at a previous ministry setting from where we are now, and and connecting that with Acquire the Fire. And how did you get hooked up with Acquire the Fire, Mike? You know, when I was little, my youth pastor, uh, we only had three kids in my little youth group at the time. It was Little Methodist Church in Anderson, actually. Were you the president? I was the president and the secretary <laughs> of our youth group. Uh, I made our uh, made our Bible studies go very quickly. And he would take me every year, and there was three or four of his kids that would go every year. And um, I think I was 18 or 19, and the organization reached out to me, as they did to a lot of the students that were getting older in age, and they would ask us to come on mission trips. And, and so I would do a few mission trips as a you know, teenager and a young adult. And then one year they called and said, Hey, we need a, we need a local event coordinator in Muncie. And I was like only 23 or four. And I said, sure. I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember, it's kind of funny. I remember back then actually saying, okay, God, I just need someone to handle the mills and I can do everything else. And that's where I met Lisa, yeah, uh, your wife. And so, um, I reached out to the church. Someone said, you should I had the list of every church that brought kids over the years. That's really? what I asked them. And I stopped, started with the top 20 churches that brought, brought the most kids in the area. And you guys were the first ones I called, and I didn't have to call anymore after that. Is that right? Cool. Yeah. yeah, because you had a bunch of people to feed the, the bands. Yeah. and some, Who were some stuff. of those bands that came in Newsboys, Michael Gunder. Believe it or not, back in the early days— uh, Katy Perry was our worship leader before, hmm. when she was Katie Hudson back in the days, if you remember those days. There's still a couple YouTube videos out there where she would lead worship right. back in the late you know, 1999, 2000, 2001. But we had this amazing group of people, and we were able to do that to keep ticket prices as low as possible so that more students could come and attend and experience Christ and the yeah, message. So and you tapped great. on Lisa, and she, she uh, organized feeding the— Guest speakers Beating and the, the people that were yeah. that were there behind Driving the scenes, driving people around, hauling yeah. people all over the place. It's and fun. Um, so we've we've known each other for a while, and I am thrilled that you're here. We're going to talk about the Dream Center. That's a passion of yours in your life right now. We're gonna we're gonna get into that in our conversation. Um, in a you know just in a couple minutes, what is the Dream Center? Very simply, we are a faith based nonprofit that exists for one reason, one reason only, to permanently disrupt and reverse the cycle of poverty here in Indiana. And we do that through a lot of different methods. One of that is workforce training, partnering with local churches, so that a single mom, a former foster youth with children, 
in a 12 or 18 month period of time can be resilient, free from outside support. And we believe that goes right alongside the gospel. You know, when you're doing street ministry, which we've done for years, we've done ministry together for years. I've done street ministry together for years. You feed people and pray and leave them. Mm -hmm. I've never been okay with that. And so this is a way that we can share the gospel, but then take the abundant life of Christ, lay it right next to the message we just shared, and watch that family member um, go on the pathway from poverty to prosperity. And prosperity isn't just financial, it's spiritual, it's mental and physically as well. Wow, but it's all of those things. So I, I'm super excited about that and really the, the things that God has laid in your heart to do. And I hope to be able to get into some of that in our time to, together today. You know, I, I understand this is probably should be a five-hour podcast. Let's do it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and it might be the last one that was ever <laughs> done. <laughs> All right, so let's just jump into Acts chapter 20. And, and this is, as we're thinking about the city of Ephesus, we've talked a little bit about that, and the book of Ephesians, and all that's taking a place around that city. When we get to Acts chapter 20, Paul is coming back by it again, not in it, but by it again, to say goodbye. It's his, it's his time to say farewell to the people who lived in the city of Ephesus and who had come believers in that very corrupt and pagan city. And he's really placing the mantle of leadership upon them. So Acts chapter 20, let me pick it up in verse 17. It says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived at Miletus, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing, by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. That's a pretty good model of ministry right there, public and house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Micah, as I was looking at that that last line there, last part of that verse 21, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. I'd just like to ask you to share how that, not maybe not that exact part of that verse, but that concept of turning your life around and, and repenting and turning to God and living in faith has taken you on your journey. I mean, we can't get your whole life story in a couple of seconds. I don't want to put you under that pressure. But the concept of that, I mean, your life is a turnaround life. It is. And so when you want to do this with other people, as you were mentioning a moment ago, it's because you've experienced it yourself. Yeah. So tell me, talk a little bit about that. You know, Mark, one of the most amazing things about redemption to me is I can take you back to the day where my life was transformed as a little child and I'm daily being just as transformed. Mm-hmm. It's not a one and done deal. And I love the verses before that where they talk about house to house because that's what... That's how I got saved as a little child. That's where it started. I was eight years old, and a ministry picked me up in a bus and a little neighborhood fundamental Baptist church with their bus ministry. And 
let all of us hood rat kids come in and tear up their church, but we heard the gospel. And um, that's when I first gave my heart to Christ. And I remember as a child, the pastor and his wife followed up with my family because I, as an eight-year-old, went to their church Hmm. and how incredible that was. And so you kind of fast forward over the years from, you know, I was raised in, in, in poverty and, and understood what drug addiction was, was an addict myself um, until a period of time. And this process of, of coming to know Christ and being redeemed was a one and done moment when I was eight years old and made a decision, decision for Christ and my life was transformed. But yet my life is transformed almost every day. And it wasn't just at that moment you know, in 1988 when I was eight, but every day my life is transformed. And as I went on this journey, like many people do just in life and getting a job and, and working my way up in the healthcare company and making all the decisions I made, what's amazing is there were these crucial moments where, you know, the Holy Spirit set me free from drug addiction. That was one. The Holy Spirit gave me people around me, the church to you know, help me get into college and, and help disciple me, which was absolutely incredible. Different Bible studies, different groups, youth pastors that, you know, I had the, you remember back in the day, the NIV student study Bible that looked like it was made in the nineties with the hot pink and the, oh, yeah. and all that. I had the life application and I read it and I read it and I didn't read anything. I was a terrible student, but I read the Bible because I had these loving people around me that discipled me. So for me, turning from sin wasn't just the act, this list of things I knew I shouldn't do that I slowly began to turn away from as I grew into a young man. But it was also turning towards following Jesus, oh, like, like truly that. every single day. And for me, when I think of redemption, I think of life change, and I think of my life being turned around, even now, as I'm, you know, I, I know the Bible. I went to Bible college because it was cheaper than other college. And so, uh, you know, if you paid, you could play there. And so I went to Bible college. I studied the Bible. I love the word of God. But you know, it's really interesting. I think now more than ever, as close to Christ as I am, the more I realize I, I, the things I don't know. And every day I have the awesome responsibility and opportunity to get daily direction for my life. And so even today, I've been saved for a long time. I've been set free from drugs and and different things for a long time. I've had this wild, crazy life. I've done more at age 41 than most people have the opportunity to do their whole life. But it can be summed up with, I've encountered the Holy Spirit and Jesus at a young age. I daily get to encounter the Holy Spirit and Jesus every day. And the Holy Spirit gives me daily direction, which... Look at the words of Paul. It's not necessarily the easiest thing. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that aren't comfortable. So what you're what you're telling me is that repentance and salvation and faith is not an event. It's not every eye closed, every head bowed. Raise your hand right now, and then you're done, and you walk away, and now I'm good for life. Yeah. That you you're saying it's the Holy Spirit on you and in you, and every day drawing you, wooing you to Him and into his presence. And yeah. I, I love that picture. It, it starts with an event. It starts yeah. with a moment. Right. Which is kind of cool with the Bible saying in the book of John, no man can come unto the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So even before our event, God was working. <laughs> right. And that work of the Holy Spirit 
that started to draw us unto him never stops. It's our job just to respond. So to me, I used to think repentance was like, okay, I have this list of things I shouldn't do. Right. You know, but now in this season of life, it's not just a list of things to turn away from. It's this massive, uncomfortable list of things to turn towards. Right. Which is always more risky. Exactly. Yeah. A lot more risky. It's easy. It's easy for me to make a list of things I don't do anymore. Well, this very next verse in Acts 20 points to that idea. It's in verse 22 where Paul says, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul is leaving and heading back to Jerusalem. He ends up, not knowing at that point, but we know the story, he ends up there being arrested and imprisoned and hauled off to Rome. And it was kind of a rough, a rough ride for him that was coming up. He thought he might be facing death in Jerusalem. But this phrase, not knowing what will happen to me, is what I have picked up from your life journey. A number of things that you have stepped into, and you just hinted at this when you said repentance is not only turning away from, but it's turning toward, you don't know. So give me the genesis behind you being involved with the Dream Center. You were working in healthcare. You were um, doing pretty well. You were you're doing pretty well in a company that um, trusted you to run their HR department and was looking at you maybe to run some uh, other things in the corporation. Yeah. And yet here you are, not doing any of that, doing something mm, maybe that all of that prepared you for, but you don't know. Like the day that you resigned from your position with the healthcare organization. You had no idea if it would work or not. You just knew that you were now jobless <laughs> at the moment, right? Exactly. And so, you, and so you, there's been other things along the way, but you're still at the moment. You don't know what will happen. So what's, like, what's the story there that allowed you to say, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to lean into this, even though I have no idea how it's going to turn out? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I think people are like, oh, man, you know, I just want to follow God. I want to follow God. And then uh, I was the same way. You know, I worked my way up in this company and, and you know, I was doing these things for Jesus. I was, you know, leading ministry organizations on the side and preaching and teaching and, and doing everything a, a church member does, you know, tithing and giving and leading Bible studies. And I was probably the best usher you could ever have and, and <laughs> greeter. And, um, you know, those were kind of my badges of honor. I went to every prayer meeting, every worship service. But still, what was interesting for me is, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, tell me about your calling to do uh, the Dream Center. And I have a unique perspective on calling. It, for me, the calling wasn't to go do this Dream Center project. For me, the calling was to truly be a submitted follower of Christ. Hmm. So I, when I talk about calling, for me, calling is God has called me to be something to be somebody, to be like somebody, not necessarily to do something. But Ephesians 2.6, we're all seated with Christ Jesus. That's our seat. 
And if you truly understand your identity in Jesus, you know you're called to be a son and daughter of the king and a royal heir and be part of that monarchy of heaven, which then allows you to go do other things. But even that, when you're part of the royal family, the king may send you on some dangerous missions, you know, then there's no guarantee you're going to come home. And so as I began to work with this kind of dream center journey started a different, a couple different ways. Number one, it started through me serving a group of teenagers on the Southwest side of Indianapolis mm-hmm. because I was a certified drug recovery coach. A school asked me for help and I got involved in this school and we had a drug recovery club inside the school the end of the first month, over 71 students were there, and I would use my church to disciple them. I mean, within the first year, we had over 80 baptisms of young teenagers mm-hmm. that were coming off the street, coming into our church, and I began to feed young people because I remember what it was like, you know, not having the clothes you wanted, not being dropped off in the car that you wanted, and feeling like you were always a second class person mm-hmm. as a child because of the poverty I was living in, not realizing that all my friends were living in the same exact poverty, but I felt I was like totally alone. So me and some friends would go to Aldi's. It was funny. I went to Aldi's not too long ago and I was like, man, the prices of Aldi's have changed because you used to go in for $20 and fill your car. But we all, we'd each, because we all had really good jobs, we each would grab a couple hundred bucks and call ourselves little hope dealers. We'd roll up in the neighborhood where all these kids were living. Instead <laughs> you're going to be a dealer. Di- Come on, somebody. You know? <laughs> I, I either knew I'd be in ministry or a mafia person my whole life, so I'm kind of trying to combine the two. And so we would pull up in these neighborhoods, and we each would have food in our cars that we just purchased that morning. And we began to pass it out to families struggling. All these kids I met that were selling drugs and doing drugs and leaning on opioids, and they were living in total poverty. So... As I began to refer those kids out and families out to other nonprofits for help, I couldn't find in the state of Indiana a nonprofit like the Dream Center in Los Angeles. So the Dream Center in Los Angeles is a place where my own grandmother lived, and her background as an addict and a prostitute to to raise money for her own food, and her habit back in the day led her to the Dream Center where she had an incredible life change. And so I knew that holistic, Christ-centered, wraparound place works. You know, they're at the Dream Center in L.A., they're there for 12 months. Um, You'll get to see that soon. And they're walked through this amazing program. And I, what I've found, we, from 2014 to 2019, I toured 309 nonprofits in central Indiana. And, and they're all amazing. And they all focused on their piece of the pie, whether it was education, whether it was hunger, whether it was transitional housing whether it was finances, discipleship, whatever, they all focused on their piece of the pie. But what I found in the circle sit in the circle city, nothing was connected. So that's what started me on this journey of thinking we got to fix that. And if there's one thing I'm just called to be, it's to fix problems. Hmm. And I think, you know, I I love church history and you look at, you know, over the last, you know, several hundred years, the things the church has created, hospitals, colleges, I mean, international and local feeding programs, World Vision, like all these organizations out there were created yes. by the family of God. You know, our, some of our best hospitals and best learning institutions in this country started with some nuns, some Christian doctors, you know, some Christians came along and said, we got to fix the problem of 
education. We got to fix the problem of people being sick, be the hands and feet of Christ, Christ as healer. And the church created that. I think what's on the heart of every believer and probably Paul is we are called to fix the problem. And sometimes that's very unknown. I love what you're talking about here that our our call is to be as well as to do. Exactly. We we talk about that uh, is as character and calling that the character of Christ that's in us we continue to pursue that in a in a deep and beautiful way so that we more and more exemplify the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit we we put on the armor of God all, all the metaphors and scriptures that basically are telling us become more like Jesus yeah. and yet we have this not just character but calling which is now what are you going to do with it exactly and so those are merging together in your life and that's where i was in the and the now the dream center is the the latest iteration of that what can you tell us now about the dream center uh, a little more like what what it will be what your vision for it is you gave us like the nutshell version but what what are your hopes and dreams and passions for it so when we started this journey it's just like what what paul said in verse 22 you know, I had no idea what the outcome was going to be. Hmm. I felt like I was going to bless it. I've, you know, even in my failings, God's always blessed it. I felt a lot over my life. And there's, there hasn't been a, a situation that I ever, while I was going through it, it was horrible. But looking back, it was exactly what God wanted. Every rejection's God's protection, hmm. you know? And so even the failures were great. So I knew like God would get the glory. I knew God would bless it. It, it, got, it just may not be very comfortable for me. <laughs> then that's okay. You know, that's, I was kind of living this Christian life where, yeah, I was doing all the right Christian things, but was I really living a, a submitted life? I was just living a very comfortable life. And it's not that God's against comfort at all. I believe he wants us to, to be comfortable. That's why he provides still waters and green grass to lay down on, but it may not be the still waters and green grass I wanted at the time. Mm. So when I stepped away and I resigned after 21 years and working my way up, I had absolutely no salary, had nothing. And, you know, God just began to provide, you know, and I, I, my pastor at the time said, Hey, why don't you come be my missions pastor? I was like, okay. And so we did that. We did that for a couple of years and I used that time to serve people. And prior to, um, December 6th of, uh, 2019, when I quit, I'll just never forget the day. Um, prior to tw- December 6, 2019, we already fed close to 38,000 families, just me and some friends during mm. 2014 to 2019. It was amazing what God did during that. And I wanted to spend some time gathering more data. I wanted to know truly what do people really need? How can we take the gospel and education and workforce and make sure they work together so there isn't a division? I look at everything in our faith as the opportunity to gather, never scatter. If any group of people can get folks to sit around the table and work together, it should be people who are filled with the spirit of yeah, God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to start preaching today. I'm a little charismatic, so I might start preaching here any minute. <laughs> and so for me, it was like, how can we pull people from all these different organizations, academia, workforce development, finances, healthcare, and put something together that's truly going to transform women and children's lives and former foster youth. I didn't know the answer to that. And from December 6, 2019, 
until uh, March of 2021. I still didn't have a gut feeling what it would even look like, Mark. But what I was able to do during that time through a group of people, we fed an additional 78,000 families oh, during my. the pandemic, which is an amazing story. During that, we were able to talk to all these families and ask them just one simple question. And this goes to truly the foundation of the question you just asked me. What would it take, and I can see their faces even just saying it, what would it take for you to truly get out of poverty? And Mark, time after time after time, their answers were, they're all different, but they all meant the same thing. Essentially, I just need to get back to zero. Hmm. Every mom, every family, every parent, every kid's like, I can never catch up. If I could just be at zero and move forward, great. But I'm at negative 10, negative 20, negative 100, just in their life, right. whether it's finances, whether it's emotions, whether it's just challenges and opportunities and support. They didn't have it. So we began to put together the project. Well, I knew that they needed to have a great salary, 55 to 60,000 a year, which in the state of Indiana is very easy to get because of my work in HR. So we had that. We kind of began to plug everything else in that would need to happen under one roof. We need some mental and emotional support. There's tons of providers that provide great care there. We need financial literacy. We need a daycare. We need great food. If I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to let my mamas eat it. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I just finished touring 309 nonprofits that all provide that. We just needed a space large enough that was private, dignified, and excellent to tie together technology to push out outcomes. That's the only two things the Dream Center creates. The space to tie it together where moms and foster youth have private living quarters. The technology to pull the outcomes together so that the world can see evidence-based outcomes with Christ at the center, which is amazing. I can't wait. So after that, which was a couple of years, we had a, had a big challenge. We needed a really big space, like a really big space. And at the time we were looking at hotels and different projects. And that's when we got into a partnership with Ascension St. Vincent on the north side of Indianapolis. Mm. And over the next several months, you're going to hear some really great announcements of some projects that we're about to roll out. In the meantime, what we've put together is a micro um, group of single moms and former foster youth starting this year that we're going to walk through our programming before we build our main campus to make sure it works. Yeah. But none of this, now I can look back and say, wow, I totally saw what God was doing. I had no idea at the time. I had absolutely no idea. It was just a step of faith. It was a step of faith, and it was a lot of listening. And I knew God was going to lead me to unusual groups of people to pull around the table. And while God was doing that, the enemy was going to try to distract. And so for every group of people or person or partner that sat at the table to have a conversation with, the enemy would send two or three. <laughs> you could kind of see that in Paul's life. Oh, yeah. As he's following God blindly, think about the apostles, but we have the word of God at least, but he didn't. What does he say in Corinthians? I look through a dimly lit mirror. That's as good as it got for him, which gives me comfort on my best day. It's still a dimly lit mirror, which on most days it is. Yeah. And so as he was following after God, the enemy was trying to distract. And that's exactly what this entire work with the Dream Center was all about, is walking it out with the Holy Spirit and knowing the difference between what's good and what's God and having the guts to make the decision. Knowing that, 
God's way sometimes in the natural doesn't make sense, doesn't look right, but the Holy Spirit will bear witness in your spirit that that's the way you need to go. But the yeah. Holy Ghost, that looks like it's going to be really difficult. It is. I don't know what the outcome is. No, you don't. But the only thing I knew, Mark, during that time was this, the promises of God. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, for he'll be like a tree planted by the water, and he shall not be moved. Mm, that's a really I, good word. I and I just knew that. That's all I knew. And you know, I think, Mike, that's all you need to know, because you are living in the center of God's will, and there's no better place to be. It doesn't mean it's safe. I mean, it's it's the safest place to be in terms of the kingdom view, but in the world's view, it might not be. But it if you when you're there that's good i i can't wait i'm going to los angeles with you to see the dream center there really soon by the time this podcast drops that will be in the rearview mirror we will have been there and i can't tell you how much i'm looking forward to just being spending some time with you and some other leaders from the the area here who are going to be traveling on your team i'm reminded of this as as paul finished up his time with the ephesian elders it's the very last verses that's there that are there. And I'll, let me pick it up at the last part of verse 35, where he said, he's quoting Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. You know, it sounds like the end of the story, he's never going to see them, but he sent Timothy to them, and Timothy provided great leadership. He wrote letters to Timothy in Ephesus, First and Second Timothy. He wrote them the letter of Ephesians after this event took place. It wasn't the end of ministry, and, and so Paul understood that as they knelt and prayed and, and embraced one another in the goodness of God. So, what I'd like to do, Mike, is to pray for you right now as part of this podcast and invite our listeners to join me in this prayer for the Dream Center and for you as a person and for the other people who are partnering with you as you will be facing and are, have faced the, the attacks of the enemy, but also the goodness of God Come on. in the middle of that. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and in the power and authority and name of Jesus Christ, we lift you up first, Lord, but but we also come around our brother, Mike, and we pray that you would give him everything that he needs to serve you in ministry from this day forward. We pray we pray that you would take the name of Mike Woods and honor him, give him access, give him the resources that he needs, as well as the rest of his team to be able to do everything that you have in store for him. We do not ask that his name would be great. We ask that your name yes. would be great. And that the result of it is that people who have been uh, living in a lifestyle of poverty would walk away from that. Yes. And they would have abundance in their life financially and physically and emotionally and spiritually and intellectually and in a number of ways. And we Thank you that you're providing people that will be alongside him to do that here and in the future. We pray these things 
In the beautiful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother, for being with My us pleasure. today. It's really been an honor. And uh, folks, as, as you're listening, next week we're going to be traveling with Paul as he goes to Jerusalem, where he ends up getting arrested for his work of bringing people to Jesus. So let's stay with it as we've been marching through this. So we're, we're at week 33 of this study already this year. So let's press into week 34 next time. If you want to jump in deeper, you can go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or go to the Find the App and click on the Beyond Mission link. That will take you to more elements in this year-long study of the mission of Jesus. And if you want to stay up to date with the Beyond Mission podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may God bless.